important to love God? Okay, there we go. You guys are awake. I just was making sure that we're on the right track. If not, we're going to change the statement. Uh, Love God and love others. Is that a good thing too, to love others? Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? The greatest commandment that Jesus said that there was, and that is why we exist, okay? So if somebody walks through the doors, the reason Flag Church exists, the reason we're at, 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 at the community fair, the reason we're at uh, Paint the Town Red, the reason we're in our schools, the reason we want to invest in the next generation is because we want people to love God and love others, Right, And, and uh, we think that it's important for people to do that because if they love God and they love others, life change happens. Not just for us, but for everyone that comes in contact with us. Isn't that cool? And, and how many of you want to see life change happen? You want to see life change happen, right? It's good, right? And so how do we uh, do that? I, I call this the three-legged stool. The three legs that hold up the stool, okay? And we've shared this before. But as a church, as Flag Church, we exist to help people love God and love others. But we do that by being a praying church, okay? Why do we need to be in prayer? Because prayer is the avenue to be in a relationship with God. Through prayer, we stay in conversation with God. Through prayer, we uh, rely on God. We come under God's uh, guidance and direction, and we say, you know what, God? We are coming to you because we want to be in this relationship. The Lord's Prayer, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We show reverence and we say, God, we want to be in this communion with you, in this relationship. And that is why we are a praying church. Secondly, we are a spirit-empowered church. What does that even mean? That means we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to lead us and direct us. Okay, so Jesus was on this earth and he said, you know what? I am going to the Father, but I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit to be your helper, to be your guide, to be uh, the source of strength, to give you wisdom and direction and insight and discernment and to give you the gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. And so when we, and here is something for us to understand. The Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, is the heart of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit comes and indwells in our lives, our vessels, we are vessels, and we, the Bible talks about when we receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and He lives in us. And so when He comes, the heart of God comes and lives inside of us, and then the heart of God and our hearts become one, and then we start to experience the will of God in our hearts and our lives. And we start to see life change happen because the old dies and the new starts to come alive, right? And that is why we are a spirit-empowered church. But it takes spirit-empowered people coming together to make a spirit-empowered church so that we can be effective in the will of God. And so there is a, a relationship aspect. And thirdly, We are a missional church, the third leg of the stool, which means love your neighbor as yourself. 
okay, which is talking about loving others. That means going into all the parts of the world and loving people so that they may experience the love of Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you are reading along with our New Testament reading plan, but it kind of talks about that this morning. It, all it talks about is the importance of love and the importance of love because love transforms and changes everything. The church, capital C Church and its mission, the church is, a body, is the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. The habitation of God through the Spirit with divine appointments for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We are the body of Christ, infilled by the Holy Spirit with divine appointments that the Holy Spirit sets up with people so that they may experience the love of Jesus to fulfill the Great Commission, which is the Great Commission, is to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to go, to go and reach the lost, right? To go into all the world. And why? Why do we go? Because of the love that we have for God and others. The love that we have for God and others. See, God's ultimate purpose and goal, His ultimate purpose and goal is to seek and save the lost. Many of you were, that are sitting here today will say, man, I remember the day when God found me. <laughs> he saved me. He's still kind of cleaning me up, but He saved me, right? To seek and save the lost. And we prayed this morning. There are more people outside of these four walls than are sitting inside of these four walls, which means we need to keep going because God's ultimate purpose, the heart of God, the heart of God, the reason Jesus came, the reason we celebrated communion, because He wants to seek and save the lost. How many of you have somebody in your life that is lost this morning? Don't raise your hand, but just think of that person. Jesus came for them. Do they know Jesus? They don't know Jesus. He came for them. Secondly, the ultimate purpose is to be worshipped by man. Now, when we read, hear that statement, to be worshipped by man, we think, whoa, man, does God need us to worship Him? Is He this? Well, he, yes, He does. But here's the cool thing. The reason God wants us to worship Him, the reason we were created in the first place to be in worship with Him, and worship is the gateway to the presence of God. But when we worship, He opens the gates into the presence of God to be in a relationship with God. Worship leads to a relationship with God. On Sunday mornings, the reason we have worship, the reason we encourage you to engage in worship is because it opens your heart to the presence of God. It does. And there is change that happens when the presence of God encounters your heart. It changes who you are. Thirdly, um, technology. Sometimes it's good jumps uh, to build a body of believers to build a body of believers in the image of God that means what he what that means is when the, the spirit of the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us we start to be changed into the image of God to be transformed into the image of God and fourthly to demonstrate his love and compassion to all the world 
So if you look at those statements to seek and save the lost because God loves us to worship, be worshipped by man, which is what we talk about to love God. We are here, we exist to help people love God and we do that through prayer to build a body of believers, a spirit-empowered church and thirdly, to demonstrate His love and compassion, a missional church, a three-legged stool uh, that we here at Flag Church believe that we are called to to reach those that are lost. And Jesus did this when he walked on this earth. He did exactly all what we saw to seek and save the lost, to build worshipers, uh, to, uh, to uh, be worshipped by men, to build a body of believers through his disciples, and then to show compassion to a lost world. Jesus did that. And so the passage that I'd like to focus on this morning is this passage found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And just to give you a little context, Jesus is in uh, the towns. He's, he's traveling through all of the towns, and he's encountering people that are lost, people that are hurt, people that are broken, people that, are, that have been harassed, people that maybe in today's world have anxiety and depression and worry, people that have broken families, people that are broke, people that have health issues, people that are just lost because there is an enemy out there and we'll start a series next week which I'm super excited about uh, talking about the enemy and understanding the enemy but there is an enemy out there that is out to steal, kill and destroy and he was active in the time of Jesus, he's active today and so Jesus walks into his, his community, his neighborhoods, his towns and he sees all these people. And he's healing people, and he's touching people, and he's restoring people. He's bringing them back to the faith. He's seeking and saving people, and he sees all of these people. And then pick up this passage here. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. Because why did he have compassion? Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd I'm not uh, a sheep herder so I don't know a lot about sheep but um, I research sheep and so I, I, I what I learn about sheep is they're not the smartest animal <laughs> they kind of do their own thing they get into trouble a lot they kind of follow each other it's like blind leading the blind and like if a sheep goes off a cliff, guess what? The whole flock is going off the cliff because that's just how sheep are. Sheep can't defend themselves. They get, they're like easy prey for all the wild animals out there. Sheep can't find food by themselves. They need a shepherd to help them find food. Sheep uh, need to be taken care of. If, if their wool kind of it overgrows and it gets tangled up and then there is this infection that starts to form in them. And there's a reason that the psalmist talks about he anoints my head with oil because the oil protects the sheep because these parasites get into their ears and start to kind of the infection and, it, and then they beat their head against the rock and, and they kill themselves doing that. Because it's, it's annoying, so the oil protects them. But we see the sheep are these animals that need a lot of protection. They need a shepherd. And he says, it's like a sheep. These people are like sheep. They are lost. They are harassed. They are confused because they don't have a shepherd. Some of us have been there. Some of us are still there this morning. And there's a shepherd out there 
But here's something that that I noticed, and and we've been talking about vision. We just finished a whole three-week series talking about having spiritual eyes to see vision, right? But Jesus, He saw. He saw seeing that led. It was the seeing of the, the, the lost people that led to compassion. He saw them, and He saw their situation, and He had compassion on them. Compassion, the Greek word, and I'm going to butcher this, it's called splachnisamai. Good thing I don't study Greek and I don't teach in Greek because, man, their words are hard to pronounce. Splachnisamai. There we go. How's that? That's the Greek word for compassion. This refers to the strong, it's the strongest word that can be used uh, to, uh, to uh, teach on what compassion is, which is the word for pity to have pity on somebody. The way this word is described is, it's compassion that moves a man to the deepest depths of his being. To have a deep sorrow, to have deep pain, to to have this deep felt compassion inside of us. So we've got the question, we've got to ask the question, Jesus had this compassion, but why? Why? Love. The Father's love for His children to seek and to save the lost. When He looked across that, uh, 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 the space that He was and He noticed all the people that were harassed, the people that were lost, the people that were confused, and the people that did not have a shepherd, they were like sheep running around, scattering everywhere, getting into trouble and getting hurt and getting beat up. He had compassion because he wanted to seek and save the lost. It broke the heart of God. It breaks the heart of God to see lost, hurting people. It breaks the heart of God to see lost, hurting people. And if the Spirit of God lives inside of us, which is the heart of God, it should break our heart to see lost, hurting people. It should It should. And if it doesn't, we should be crying out to God to break our heart for what breaks His heart. This was not the only time that we see Jesus have compassion over lost people. We see over Scripture, and we'll just take a few of those pieces today and look at it. But there's quite a few places where Jesus uses the word compassion for the lost. But what we see is that in every one of those passages in Scripture, He sees and then He shows compassion. He sees and He shows compassion. Seeing, if we were looking at this from our standpoint, as far as followers of Jesus, that God is calling us to be those shepherds that need, that need to step up. If we were to see, it requires being intentional. Jesus was intentional when he came to these encounters that he had with the people that were lost. He was intentional about seeking and saving the lost. That was his number one mission, right? He was intentional to seek and save the lost. Secondly, seeing requires slowing down. Slowing down and being in the moment. I don't know how many times in in Scripture we see Jesus was on a mission and he gets interrupted and he stops... And he stays in that moment, and we see a miracle, a healing, a restoration 
a reconnecting with the Father's heart starting to happen because he was in the moment. And thirdly, seeing requires being available, not being busy. Being available. I would have to go and we'll unpack this in the next few weeks, but I believe that the newest way of how the enemy distracts us from the will of the Father is busyness. We're so busy. We're busy. We're busy people. World has got, the world has got so fast that we don't have time to slow down. We're hurried. Pack schedule. Hey, I am at fault to this myself. We're constantly busy. What leads to stress? Busyness. What leads to anxiety? Busyness. What leads to uh, all of the, the overspending? <laughs> Busyness <laughs> of needing stuff. Compassion. Seeing leads to compassion from uh, compassion for the confused and the helpless people. And we look at Jesus here. Jesus, the good shepherd, was moved to compassion by the sheep's pain. Pain that we see. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped off the boat. He was headed on a mission. He steps off the boat, and guess what? This crowd was standing there. He, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. There were people that were sick, that were in pain, that were going through physical ailments, and Jesus had compassion over them. And what did he do? He healed them. He had compassion. We see Jesus had compassion. Uh, for the sheep's sorrow, okay, the, 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 the sheep that were hurting. There was a story here where there was a widow who had lost her son. The, the widow, this was her only son, and she was headed to bury her son. And Jesus intersects her path. And we see in Luke chapter 7, 7 verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Because he noticed how much pain and sorrow she was going through in that moment. And he felt her pain because he was in the moment. He was intentional. He slowed down. He noticed the pain in her life. And guess what? He had compassion. And because he had compassion, which was what the Father's heart is, he was able to work a miracle in this part. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Jesus brings a dead boy to life because of, of the, who he is, the miraculous power that we see that Jesus has. But what's important here is to understand the love that he had for that woman and the compassion that he had for the woman and the fact that he saw her pain. He saw the sorrow that was in her. Thirdly, uh, compassion. he had compassion uh, for the sheep's hunger. Okay, because he know he sees uh, the the fact that we have uh, physical needs, and here in Matthew chapter fifteen, verse thirty-two, J Jesus called his disciples and told them, "I feel sorry for these people. I feel sorry for these people. They have been here for me for uh, for uh, with me for three whole days, and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. So let's." Um, find a way to feed them, and he feeds them. He has compassion. God uh, uh, cares about every part 
of the sheep's need. If that is physical, if that's mental, if that's spiritual, if that, uh, whatever the need is, if that's a health need, if that it is a mind need, he cares about the sheep. And this morning, I want to say this to you. He sees you. He sees you. He knows you. He understands you. He cares about you. He sees your pain, whatever that is this morning. He sees it. He sees your sorrow. He sees the loss in your life. He sees it. He knows it. He understands the struggle that you are going through right now. He sees your hunger. He sees your physical need. He sees it. And He has compassion. He is our good shepherd. He is our good shepherd. He wants a relationship. He wants to be your shepherd. He does not want you to be confused or harassed or lost or or hurting or in pain or in sorrow. He does not want that. Yes, we live in a broken world and we do experience those things, but that is not the heart of the Father for His children. He loves you and He cares about you and He wants to see change. He wants to set you free, to help you, to heal you. He wants to meet your pain. He wants to pick up and restore you this morning. He wants to do that. He is a good shepherd and he cares about his sheep. And you know why? Why does he care about you? Because of his love. The love that he has for you. The love that he has for you. Today, I've asked two good friends to uh, come up uh, and share their story. I'm going to be talking to them. Uh, I would say these are two people that have met their shepherd, and and they're still uh, working through that relationship, and God is doing an amazing thing in their heart, in their life. But I want to use their story as a way for us to truly understand how the Father cares about us as His sheep and how He wants to uh, work in and through our lives. So would you join me in welcoming Jamie and Jessica as they come uh, this morning? This is Jamie and Jessica, and uh, they have been coming to Flag Church, I would say, for the last seven months, uh, beginning of the year. Um, It was kind of cool how uh, their daughter found our church online. Is that right? Is it online? She drove, drove by. Drove by, that's front. right. Yes, yeah, she was going to Pitt State, driving by, saw our church, had uh, shared uh, um, the, the fact. And so that's how they heard about it, and that's how they've been coming to Flag Church since January. Uh, but just tell us, what was your first experience like when you guys first showed up at Flag Church? What did that look like? What did that feel? Uh, just un- unpack that for us. I feel like when I first got here. I always just felt so welcome because everybody was greeted us right at the door and it just gave us more confidence and um, <clears throat> we was just always a happy face no one no one ever seemed like they was ever better than us or anything and and it just it really was 
welcoming to us as we you got greeted as you came in the door too and um that was probably like the this is where we needed to be it felt like this was home that this is where we were meant to be just walking okay. in that door everyone greeting felt like this was the place that we were meant to be gotcha gotcha um we when we were talking you had shared a little comment about um when you guys uh, i know we always come into church and then when we leave we have conversations in the car right how many of you guys do that you guys talk about the message man that message was terrible today but the worship was amazing right you, you guys do that so I, I asked them that question so what was the conversation like because you were checking out our church what was that conversation driving home uh that morning it was like, it was, it was just amazing because we'd, we'd leave, we left, and we do this just about every Sunday. We'll leave and we'll, we'll talk about the message all the way home and ask each other, you know, well, did that get to you like it got to me, you know? And it's, it's, it's just, we've never done that before, and that's really, just really touched us, mm. you know? So, um... You guys have kept coming. You didn't stop coming after that first Sunday. Something worked. But uh, why um, have you guys kept coming? And uh, what, what, what is happening in your life that makes you keep coming back uh, to church? Before, before we started attending, I'll be honest, I didn't really understand the Bible. Um, I grew up in church but didn't understand, you know. Um, but in coming, listening to the service... Um, understands the Bible. I understand it now. Um, you put it into perspectives of how we feel. Um, we feel like home here, family. Um, I don't know, just part of us now. Like We don't know what to do without coming. Mm. It's, you know, being with our family, family and friends, like, you know, more than anything. We're very introverted people, we are. <laughs> so, you when know, I had this asked, is... When I'd asked them to do this, uh, they turned and ran, and then I had to, like... <laughs> Told them back. No, go ahead. I, I interrupted you. I'm no, sorry. No, we're we're very inter, in, introverted people, mm -hmm. and we don't really get out and do a whole lot, you know, really, and and um, definitely never spoke in front of anybody. You know? <laughs> and uh, crazy what but, God does. Yeah. yeah, you know, I've prayed more this last week, two weeks probably than I ever have in my life, honestly, <laughs> and um, which is good because. I would have never done nothing. I've never spoke in front of anybody or anything before in my life. Mm. But, the, I mean, you could say I'm not nervous. I'm not going to say I'm not, but hey, um, definitely not as nervous as I could be. Mm. So, um, since you've been coming, what I'm hearing is there's been a shift in, in your spiritual temperature. You're learning to read God's Word. You're understanding God's Word. You're spending time in prayer. I mean, how many of you guys think that's like, very important for our spiritual growth, right? Isn't that awesome? So, tell me, uh, what was life like before Flag Church? What would, what would uh, I know you had mentioned how you guys were checking this out, but if this wasn't working, you were done looking for a church. But what was that like before Flag? Um, I'll be honest, before Flag, the last year was a pretty rough year for us. Um, I started hanging with the wrong group. Um, partying, bars, it really took a toll on our marriage, um, and it was finally Lexi saying, you know, let's try this church, maybe it'll work, um, so we come, and I would say it saved us, saved, saved our marriage, um, but it's just, 
us now. Like, we wouldn't know what to do without the Lord now. Like, mm. you know, it's brought us closer together, um, new friends, you know, to put a life behind us that we know we don't want to relive. Yeah. So it's changed us a lot, I feel like. Praise God. Can we give God praise for that? And that's so awesome. So I know they said that they were introverts and uh, this was um, not what they do and they kind of hang out by themselves. Um, so I approached them with considering joining a life group. They turned and ran again. And I had to, no, I didn't do that. But um, so tell me, when I first came to you and said, hey, what do you guys think about life group? What, what was, I know you had one reaction, you had a different reaction. So unpack that. I was excited. Um, when I told Jamie about it, he's like, uh, no, I don't think so. I was like, let's just try. You know, we don't know. Pastor Anthony obviously knows what we need, so let's try it. Um, we were really nervous the first time we met our life group, but having our life group has changed our lives. I mean, we talk to them more than, I mean, they're our friends, they're our family. That's mm -hmm. who we turn to when we need help or prayer. You know, we can rely on them. We know that. Yeah, we don't have enough um not enough life group meetings now. We mm. we need it. We need that a lot more than once a month. You know, <laughs> we're like, when's our next one? When's our next meeting? You know? Some people might not think it means a lot to them, but for us, it meant a lot to us because it felt like you knew where we needed to be. Mm. And then meeting our life group, it's like we don't want to separate from them. We don't want to move on because that's our. I don't know. We're close with them. I feel like. Yeah, we we talk about lots of stuff. You know, we'll go talk about the Bible study. You know, whenever. You know, we have different Bible study stuff. And and then, um, you know, we'll talk about personal things that go on in life, like stuff that, you know, we would normally just talk about. Well, the girls will talk about their own thing, and then the guys will talk about maybe what's going on at work and, you know, different things, different guys that they have problems with or anything like that. That You know, it's not only Bible church-type stuff, you know. It's just regular life, life. life, you know, and dealing with kids and things like that. Now, you guys, isn't this the group that goes to uh, the cottage food truck Friday thing? Do you guys, yeah, you guys enjoy we, that? Yeah, we, we love that. You guys we look forward to that. look forward to that. And you guys yeah. were introverts, right? That very much introverts. Yourself. Yes, very much. <laughs> just saying, Life Group doesn't have to meet just once a week. It could meet every day. It's totally up to the Life Group <laughs> leader. I mean, I mean right? Absolutely. Would you guys enjoy that if you met every day? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. We no, would, Jamie we was not sure it. about that one. <laughs> <laughs> we talk. I mean, I, there's a couple of our the girls in our group. I talk to quite often, you know, just to see you That's know, good. what's going That's on. Um, but I went. I'd be lost without our life group. Mm. Now that I've joined it, just yes, because it's awesome. family, friends. Mm. I don't know. I feel like good. I know their kids. They know our kids. You know. That's awesome. So, lastly, um, serving. So um, we kind of took the step at a time and slowly kind of started to keep working with them. And we approached you guys about serving. And uh, how, how did that come across? What did, the, what did you feel and what did you sense when we first asked you about serving? I would say it was the same reaction for me probably. <laughs> but, um, you know, then once we got into it, then it was... He was not looking forward to it. He's like, I have to stand at the door and greet people I don't know. I'm like, well, yeah, that's okay. Um, but now that we have served, people, served in the church, we enjoy it. We just went to um, Paint the Town Red Friday mm -hmm. or Wednesday. Um, 
And for us, it's a fulfillment that we can hopefully touch one other person's lives and change their life. Um, like Wes walking into church here changed mm. our lives. We just mm. hope and pray that we can do that for somebody else. That's yeah. good. That's good. Some of the things that they do currently is um, um, I was doing a lot of stuff uh, when Pastor Tom was here in the beginning before service starts. And uh, Jamie and Jessica are one of the couples in a team of three that actually do that. And it has been an amazing blessing for me personally, just lifting that load off of me. But uh, also these guys um, uh, serve um, with um, outreach and do a lot of outreach work. Uh, I know they kind of unpacked it, but kind of what happened on Wednesday, they were walking, uh, paint the town red, and they walked over to the tent. We hadn't planned on them serving. And they showed up and I was like, hey, are you guys just hanging around here? Do you guys want to make some iced coffee while you're standing here? And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll do that. I'm like, we'll have people that will show up and you guys can do that. Long story short, they started at 6. It was like nearly 8 o'clock. They were still making coffee at 8 o'clock, and then they broke down, helped break down the tent, and then they packed it all, and they're like, do you want us to follow you to the church so we can unpack? I'm like, no, go home. You guys are good. So I met them on Thursday, and we talked, and you guys shared share your experience after that. What did it feel like? What were you wishing? And you shared a few comments about that experience that you had. No, whenever we left, we was like, man, you know, just felt good to be able to reach out. You've seen lots of people, lots of people you knew needed the Lord and everything, and and um, it just felt good when we left there. And and um, I'm not saying it selfishly at all, but it, I mean, it made you feel good, you know, to mm-hmm. to be able to do that. But um, yeah, we we just after that, the feeling that we had was like, man, I can't believe everybody don't want to help when we got to tell people, no, we got enough. We got plenty of people. We do not need your help. I mean, that would be a good problem to have, I would think. And, um, and we just, just from the fulfillment we got from it. Fulfillment. Isn't that so cool? Can we give it up for Jamie and Jessica this morning? Thank you guys. Appreciate you sharing. Thank you. I think the word um, he used, fulfillment. When we serve, what starts to happen is that the heart of Jesus is serving. Jesus was a servant leader. When he came on this earth, everyone expected him to be the the, the king and the leader that was coming to overthrow the government, right? No. That was not his intentions, even though that's what the humans wanted. He came to serve. He washed the feet of the disciples. He was with the sheep that were hurting, that were lost, that were broken. And he served. And what happens is when we start to serve, we truly receive the heart of God. And that is what brings fulfillment. God doesn't need you to serve. He chooses to use you to be that conduit to reach the lost. God doesn't need your giftings and skills to reach the lost, but He chooses to use that because that is how God functions. He functions through the people. We were put on this earth to do life with Him, in communion with Him, in partnership with Him. And when we do that, we feel the fulfillment that comes from serving. 
But here's the cool thing. When that fulfillment comes, he's still not done working his work of restoration, sanctification in our lives. He's still doing that. Isn't he still working with you guys? You guys are learning to read the Bible. You're le- you prayed in the last two weeks more than you've ever prayed. Did it feel good? Yeah, it's a process, it's a journey, it's called spiritual formations, where we te- it teaches us how to relive life in a new body, in a new mind, in, with, new, with new tools that equip us and empower us to be effective. But that happens, n- not, it, it starts when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, but unfortunately, too many of us give our lives to Jesus Christ, and we put the pause button, or, the, or, 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 or we put the period, and we go, I'm good until heaven. No, we are not. That's the beginning. There's a journey. The relationships that's happening in life groups that's transforming lives, they want to be here. They want to be in communion. He was an introvert that didn't want to talk in public. He's standing in front. By the way, that was also live stream, so it's all over the internet. So everyone saw that. I'm just letting you know now. Uh, but to serve, to serve. This morning, you may be sitting here and you're a sheep and you need to meet the shepherd. You still need to work on meeting the shepherd. Let's not worry about serving. If you want to, great. But this morning, many of you, I know this, you've already met the shepherd. You may be sitting here going, well, but yes, but I'm still a work in progress. Yes, we're all a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. We don't, there's never a, a, a good time where we say, you know what, I've attained, now I can start serving. That's not how it works. How it works is we, we are a work in progress, but God chooses us to serve. And as we serve, we become even better and we discover. And the way I explain this, it's called a conduit. A conduit is where things flow through. Uh, whereas if, if you were to clog that conduit on one side, things flow and, and then they stop flowing. Because there has no place to go. And what happens is it becomes stinky because it's stagnant because it's not flowing. It's like a pond that doesn't have an outlet. How many of you have been in one of those ponds? Or you go to Colorado where you have a a running stream where water is constantly running. Which is more welcoming? A stream or a pond? A stream because it's fresh. And that's the way God works is He uses us as a conduit. So what happens is He gives us what we need for the day and He expects us to release and to let go and come back empty so He can refill, so He can let go and come back empty so He refills. And then we experience the newness of God every morning. We experience the goodness of God every morning. God doesn't become boring. He becomes exciting because there's new things every day. And it happens through serving. So this morning, maybe you are a shepherd who is sitting under the tutelage of the good shepherd and he's saying, you know what? It's time for you to set, set foot and start serving. Verse 37, this is the verse right after what he said. The sheep, they're confused, they're lost, they're scattered. And he said to his disciples, look and see. He said to the disciples, the harvest is great. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. What would have happened if Jamie and Jessica walked into Flag Church? You heard their story. Nobody was there to greet them. Greeters didn't show up. We didn't have greeters. The place was nasty. The worship stunk. The message was boring. 
they walked out and said, you know what? That's not for us. What would that story look like today? What would that marriage look like today? The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Pittsburgh, the harvest is great. Fort Scott, I know you're sitting there. I know you're watching this message. Man, the harvest is great. Frontneck, Gerard, Liberal, St. Paul, USD 250, the harvest is great. USD 249, John Palumbo, you said how many kids signed up for FCA, 100 kids? Yeah, but how many kids are in front neck? I'm thankful for that. It's, harvest is plenty. Gerard, uh, Fort Scott, USD 234. Gerard, USD 248. St. Paul, USD 505. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Pitt State, Pastor Eli, 6,000 plus students. We're thankful that we have 150 here. But what would it look like if we had to have two services on a Tuesday? Why could we not? Do they need Jesus? Not because we need two services, but do they need Jesus? Do we need no, more parents walking down Broadway saying, thank you, Flag Church? And here's the thing, this is not just Flag Church. We want this for every church in this community because the harvest is plentiful. We can't do it by ourselves. Fort Scott, the community college, Pastor Justin's on his way. We're believing that the harvest is plentiful and we're going to find workers. Within these four walls, Flag Nursery, Flag Kids, Empowered Youth, We've got the next generation that needs to know the, the stories of Jesus, that need to experience the love of Jesus. You don't have to teach. You don't have to teach. You just have to show up to be present because you know what? There's something about being present. There's something about being intentional. There's something about taking time to not be busy and to look into those kids' eyes and say, Jesus loves you. I care about you. I love you. I'm here. I'm just here to play. I'm here to do crafts. I'm here. You know what? Jesus, most of the time when he met with people, he met them where they were. He met them where they were. He hung out with whatever they were doing. Maybe it's coloring a sheet. Maybe it's holding a baby. Maybe it's changing a diaper. Maybe it is hanging out on a Wednesday night and being crazy with middle schoolers. You know what? If that scares you, don't worry. I'm afraid of it too, but I have fun when I do it. It is awesome. Maybe it's, it's just when you get to hang out with middle schoolers and be crazy, and then when they come to the altar, guess what? They go, hey, thanks for, thanks for being crazy. Here's what's happening in my life. Can you pray for me? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Are we going to say no to these people? Because who knows what God wants to do with someone that is lost today. Dennis, you walked in, we loved on you, and your son's here today. Because we loved on you, right? Is that why your son's here today? He's experienced the love of Jesus, right? 
Okay. So, what are we going to do? You have an opportunity today. Here are three areas we focus on. Next gen, black nursery, black kids, empowered youth. They need people. You just need to show up. Can you give one week a month? Every person in this room should be able to serve in one of those areas. Every one of you, you are equipped. You don't need to teach a lesson, just show up. The leaders will do that. You may be serving once a month already as a greeter. That's awesome. But can you give one Sunday a month to our next gen? The next gen that needs Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Can you be a conduit of Jesus' love? Worship and tech. That's the other area that we need help. We need help. If you can do tech, we'll train you. Jeff will lead you. He'll help you. Fort Scott, we need tech. Jeff will help you. I know, Jeff's like, stop using my name. Uh, I'll help Jeff help you. How's that? That would be scary. Um, but we do need people. Lastly, first impressions. When they walked in, they were greeted, they felt loved. Your handshake matters. Your smile matters. The coffee you give matters. Check-in matters. People matter when you walk in, when you have a smile, when you are ready, when you are prepared, you show up early and you're like, I'm here for you. How can I serve you? It matters because then people experience the love of Jesus. Life transformation happens. Marriages are restored. They start reading the Bible. They start to learn how to pray. They start to serve. They become shepherds. We are making disciples, going to all the world and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 